I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 137 in which we check in on 2013 resolutions, take three. I am recording this version of this episode on Tuesday, December 10th, 2013. Um, this is the third take. I recorded this twice last night, was not happy with either of the um, results, ended up bagging them both and I'm trying again. I ended up with the extra time to do this today. I wasn't expecting to have time, actually, to deal with podcasting, which is why I was trying to get it done last night. Um, I have my guild Christmas dinner tonight, and it's a little bit earlier than our usual guild meeting is, and I've still got some stuff to get done, um, not the least of which is actually making my dish to pass. But I work for the an organization that's down in the Philadelphia area, and the building got closed today for a snow day because they are absolutely socked in down there, at least by Philadelphia standards. And um, so although I did work because, as the running joke is, unless it's snowing in my living room, I can still make it into my office. Um, I, I did work for a while. I had some things I needed to get done, but I got to a point where there wasn't much more I could get done without anybody else being in the office. And... Um, I'm also at this kind of point in most of my projects where I'm waiting for other people to get back to me. I've done everything I can do. I've just got to get some answers back. So I ended up um, cutting out just a little bit early today. I did just get back from the gym, which was nice. Did not have a great workout. Um, my workouts definitely depend on what time of day I'm there, which maybe someday I'll talk about because it's all about body rhythms and, you know, where we're at at different times of the day, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, going at two o'clock in the afternoon... I can get a good workout in, but somehow I don't have nearly the energy that I do at 4 o'clock, which is when I normally try to get there between 4 and 5, and those workouts are usually very good. Um, middle of the afternoon, boy, I felt sluggish, but I got it in, and <laughs> that's all I really needed today, so um, that's probably a lot more information than you needed. The other reason this is take three, uh, well, the main reason I did them twice last night, it was my original intent was that I was going to uh, read out all of the 2013 Quilty resolutions that all y'all made last year. Um, I believe I even said that in previous episodes that I was going to do that. My first version of this episode, I started doing that. And I was less than halfway, I was somewhere between about a third and a half through the resolutions, and I was already pushing an hour. And, I, you know, I... I try to keep my episodes under an hour, so I then said in the middle of the episode, well, I guess I'll do the rest of these in a second episode, and then um, after I finished recording the episode, I decided, you know, I really don't know that I want to do a second episode right away, um, and because of scheduling and all that kind of stuff, so then I went back and tried to edit that first episode to pull out all the references to the um, resolution, reading the resolutions, and then that just got kind of, and I finally bagged it, did it over. And the second version probably would have been fine, but I wasn't able to get it uploaded and posted immediately. And that's always a dangerous thing for me. The minute I give myself time to start kind of thinking back 
on what I talked about and wondering, was it really interesting? Was it actually educational? Was it anything anybody would want to listen to? I ultimately, you know, just end up bagging that one too, even though <laughs> it probably would have been fine. So this one, you know, you're just going to get it no matter what I decide I feel like about it when it's done. So um, all of that is a very long preamble. So let me start again and say welcome. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you to all of you who have been with me from the get-go. Thank you to all of you who joined me somewhere in the middle. And thank you, thank you to any of you who are new listeners. And welcome to this journey that we take together <laughs> on, on quilting for the rest of us. Um, like I said, I'm recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. I've got my guild uh, Christmas party tonight. I do have to make my dish to pass. I have to get my guild. Uh, we do just sort of a grab bag gift exchange these days, and I've got my gift, but it's not wrapped. Um, and I'm also, I volunteered to bring the music playlist because I have a, a great collection of holiday party music kinds of stuff. Um, and I only thought about the fact this afternoon that none of it's actually on my phone. I usually stream a lot of music on my phone, but the uh, church meeting room in which our guild meets does not have great wireless, so I have to actually load all this stuff on my phone, so that's going to take a little time too. Uh, so I am going to, this will be hopefully probably the shortest version <laughs> of this episode to be recorded because, you know, I got stuff to do. So I will start with um, just a very brief announcement, which isn't really an announcement. I have a little bit of a Sandy update. For my content, I'm going to talk a little bit about those 2013 Quilty resolutions, and then I have a short book review to offer you, and then we'll do some listener feedback. So with no further ado, here we go. The announcement is simply that the 2014 Quilty Resolutions Challenge is indeed coming up. It will be announced on the next episode. I do have um, in my mind what I am going to, the themes I'm going to have this year. Those of you who have done these with me before know that I don't just say, hey, give me your resolutions. I actually kind of have categories or themes that I'm, I'm kind of pushing people towards a little bit um, just to make you think a little bit differently rather than simply listing the 15 UFOs you want to get done in the next year. Um, although I do generally leave room for at least a couple of UFOs to make it on your resolutions list if that's what you choose. Once you all... Um, those of you who choose to participate and submit your resolutions by the deadline that I'll announce, then you get entered in a giveaway. I'm also pondering this year doing sort of a check-in through the year with giveaways involved, whether maybe that will motivate all of us to um, stay on track with our resolutions. I don't know. I haven't quite thought that through. I will have thought it through by the next episode. My Sandy update. Um, I had sort of an unintentional artist date last week, um, and then an intentional one. I actually sort of had two. Artist dates come from Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, which I did back in um, 2012, I believe it was, when I was on sabbatical. Uh, it's based on a 12-week uh, format where each week you kind of address a different issue. It's all about creativity. It's about unblocking your creativity, um, building creative confidence, trying to kind of get yourself in a more creative frame of mind. I really, really enjoyed working through it, and I did work all the way through all those 12, works, which, uh, 12 weeks, which coincided very well with the amount of time I was on sabbatical. One of the things she promotes is having regular artist dates, and by an artist date, 
uh, she means anytime that you take yourself by yourself, she really recommends you do this solo, not in a group or not with a friend, um, that you undertake some sort of art artistic endeavor simply for the joy of creating. And that artistic endeavor might be something like going to a museum or it might be um, going to some sort of exhibit. It might be um, shutting yourself in your creative room and just creative creating for a while. Uh, something along those lines, something that's going to spur your creativity, give you inspiration, help you build your confidence. Well, last week, um, due to the kindness of my daughter, who left me with her cold when she went back to college after Thanksgiving, I ended up having a couple of sick days. I, I actually took a day and a half sick time. And as you know, I work from home, so I often don't take sick time even when I'm feeling under the weather. I mean, I have to usually I have to really be at the point where I just say, you know what, I can't even sit upright or I can't even crawl to my desk for me to actually take sick time because I figure if I can get myself sitting upright on my desk, <laughs> you know, then I'm good to go. But I have also learned that, first of all, that does not get you fa better faster. Even though I'm not out and about, just by virtue of working, you're not giving your body the rest you need. Um, and secondly, I often then end up just have to, having to redo whatever work I did actually accomplish while I was sick because, gee, I'm probably not working to my best capacity and making the best decisions. And there's been times when I've worked through an illness and then a couple of weeks later I go back and read something I'm, I've written and I'm like, holy cow, <laughs> and I kind of have to throw it out and rewrite it, you know, that kind of thing. So last week was sort of a slow week in my life. Like I said, I'm in this work phase right now where I have gotten a lot of stuff out to other people and I'm kind of just waiting for it to come back. And, you know, so I'm plugging away at other more future projects, but there were no pressing deadlines and I'm going out of town this week. I leave tomorrow for a couple of days for work and I decided, you know what, if I don't just let this thing, um, if I don't take a couple of sick days and, and really rest and try to kick this thing, I could be worse next week when I have to do a 12-hour drive <laughs> round trip. So I did take a day and a half. And the first day um, in the morning, I was thinking, you know, I'm, I, I want to feel like I'm accomplishing something, but I didn't feel well enough to be around sharp, pointy things to be in my sewing room. Um, so I decided to watch a documentary that I'd had on Netflix for some time. It was in my queue for a while. But it's kind of daunting because it's 10 episodes of about an hour and a half to two hours a piece. And it's a documentary by Ken Burns, and it's just on jazz, and that's the name of it, jazz. And I had put it in my queue mostly because I love Ken Burns. I love Ken Burns documentaries pretty much regardless of what the topic is. I'm not a huge jazz fan. I listen to a little bit here and there. There's some I like, um, some I don't really like. But it wasn't like I was, oh, I really need to learn more about jazz. No, it was really in there because it was a Ken Burns documentary, and I know he does such a great job. Well, I decided on a sick day, you know, let me give it a chance. This is a good day to just sit here and watch a documentary. And by by the first 15 minutes, I was hooked. This was a fantastic documentary. Fantastic. It was such an interesting look really it was a look at American history, societal history, cultural history, racial history, through the eyes of the development of jazz as an art form. I mean, I was, people on Twitter are probably getting tired of hearing me talk about this documentary because I kept tweeting about it all week. It really was 
phenomenal. And I did make it all the way through. I made it through like five episodes during my day and a half sick time. Um, and then made it through the rest of them the rest of the week, watching it like over lunch and after work before my husband got home. And a couple times when he was home, he likes documentaries as well. Um, so he watched a couple episodes with me and I kept saying, oh, you got to go back and watch all the beginning ones. So he'll he'll probably do that at some point when I'm out of town and he's looking for stuff to, to keep him occupied. Um, it was just really, really, really well done. I, I can't say enough about it. And I think anybody who likes history, anybody who likes um, anthropology, you know, societal history, cultural history, that kind of thing. And certainly anybody who likes music, anybody who likes jazz, you would love this documentary. It was really, really well done. One of the things, the reason I called it an artist date, and it didn't really strike me until I was probably into episode six or seven, that I realized how much I was learning about the creative process. And so that was pretty significant. Um, just learning about how these, these people who had the most dramatic impact on jazz as an art form what their process was, where they drew inspiration from, um, the fact, you know, they would experiment and they'd experiment some more and they never quite let themselves get comfortable. They kept pushing those boundaries of what they knew they could do and what they knew, what they had been taught about the boundaries of jazz. You know, well, who says that should be right? Let's keep pushing it in this direction instead. And getting inspiration from completely outside of the art form. I mean, certainly there were people who looked to other jazz greats and, and kind of grew up, you know, those who were influenced by those who'd come before and those who were influenced by the ones that they were playing with at the time, that kind of thing. But there were also those who were very much immersing themselves in music from other cultures with completely different um, tonic scales and completely different rhythm patterns and, and that kind of thing, and how they then let that impact their own jazz. One story of one artist was he was in Turkey, um, I think, performing, and he happened to hear some Turkish folk musicians and their rhythms and said, you know, I really want to try to put that into the jazz that I'm playing. And so he played around with the rhythms and, and everything and ended up sort of creating this whole other... Um, spoke of jazz that then kind of took off and became another genre of its own. So, you know, it was really pretty cool listening to that. And, and all the way through, you know, I was thinking about what that meant in terms of me and my own creativity and, and particularly in terms of quilt making. So it was, that was a really interesting thing. So I would recommend that documentary in general, but I would also say, you know, take from that, that you, you can get your inspiration anywhere really, and to experiment and to push your own boundaries of what you feel you know to be true and find out, is it really true? That kind of thing. Uh, it was just a, a wonderful experience watching that. And it kind of made, you know, being sick and not being able to really enjoy being sick. You know, you get these days off and you can't do anything with them. That's always disappointing. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed watching that documentary. And in fact, last night when I was getting ready for dinner, uh, my husband was heading out to a meeting. So we were eating dinner separately. And I automatically went over to turn on Netflix and all of a sudden I looked at it and I was like, I don't have any more jazz documentary episodes to watch. <laughs> I was very, very sad. Okay, my phone just rang. It was my mother-in-law. We had a nice little chat, so hopefully I can remember uh, where I was, where I left off and where I'm picking up. Um, I believe I just finished talking about the jazz documentary. My other artist date was I already had scheduled a half-day vacation on Friday, and as no other staff were in the office that day, I decided to go ahead and still take my half-day vacation. Um, I do tend to take Fridays off in December because, you know, you've got vacation days that you don't use them, you, you lose them by the end of the year, so I make sure I use them. 
And um, so I had a half-day vacation scheduled, and I decided kind of spur of the moment I really wanted to go to our art gallery here in the city. I've been to the art gallery several times before since I was a wee little tyke, and my husband and I have gone a few times, but it's been a little while, and I hadn't ever, I don't think I'd ever been there just by myself, and it does make a difference. Like I said, Julia Cameron talks about doing your artist date solo, and um, so I did do the solo. I'd had a passing thought, do I invite a friend? Do I do that? And I was like, no, I just want to go and I really thought I'd spend an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Not that I was going to blast through the art gallery top speed, but I thought I would go find a couple of paintings that, you know, sort of spoke to me, spend some time with those paintings, and then go. And I ended up closing down the joint. I was there about three hours. Um, I just got drawn in. And it was a really, really wonderful experience. I particularly found myself focusing on the use of light. You know, you can have two paintings right next to each other, same time period, same basic style, um, landscapes, let's say, and one of them you can look at and say, okay, yes, I can see how this artist has done light. You know, there's certain things that are lighter colors or whatever. The other one uses basically all the same techniques, but it just glows. I mean, it just has this luminosity about it. And so I spent a lot of time, I'd, I'd walk right up and peer at them with my glasses to see if I could distinguish what the difference was. Um, there are certainly quilt makers out there who work with luminosity. There's books on luminosity and quilts. Uh, and, you know, so I know the principle behind them, but to really understand how does it actually work, you know, is something else. The other thing I found myself really focusing on was the texture of the paintbrush strokes. Um, I'm a huge fan of oil paintings. I also like charcoal sketches kind of for the same reason. I like to see the actual artist's hand at work. Um, watercolors, I can appreciate the artistry behind them. I can appreciate the, the picture itself and the colors being used or whatever. Um, but you can't see really the brush strokes. And I love seeing that texture in the paint. And so I spent a lot of time looking at that, um, not just texture, but also how painters who really knew how to work with that and really understood their medium used those brush strokes as part of the overall effect. It wasn't just getting a certain color in a certain location. It was the brush strokes themselves serve to guide the eye and create movement and and knowing where to put that movement to create the effect the painter wanted. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm then equating that to quilting and, and all of that and thinking, you know, I really need to step up my game <laughs> with quilting. Um, Meander stitching and and, stent and uh, stipple are great for certain types of things, and I've gotten very good at them. Um, but I really want to work more, not on particular quilt designs, I don't think. I mean, I, I do want to work on those just to build my confidence, but more, I'm thinking more the abstract lines, um, how to kind of carry through the image. I, I can't even explain what I'm sort of thinking about now. Um, I have boatload of books and a boatload of craftsy classes and a boatload of blogs and a boatload of resources and YouTube videos and everything. I just need to start um, working more on my own vision of what it is I need to do on some of these projects I want to do based on what I saw with those paintbrush strokes. Uh, so that was just a really neat um, experience and, and it's one I would highly, highly recommend. We as quilters, again, we tend to go to quilt shows for inspiration we tend to go to quilt blogs, we tend to look at quilt books and quilt magazines, but I would really strongly encourage you um, in the next month, find some way that you can get inspiration 
somewhere else, you know, whether it's looking at architecture, listening to music, watching a dance, um, going to an art gallery, whatever you need to do, but go outside your own art form and see what kind of impact it has on your quilt making. It would be kind of cool to, to send you all forth and then have you report back into me (laughs) and let, let me know what it is you, what you learned, what you experienced as you went on your own artist date. Um, now, I have been quilting a little bit. I've been working on my art quilt project. I really, I don't want to say much now. I mean, it's not a big thing, and I'm not submitting to magazines or submitting to a show or anything. This is just something I'm doing for myself on my own, but it is related to an upcoming podcast episode, so I haven't wanted to really talk too much about it until that event, because I need to save some content. Um, suffice it to say, I'm having a ball. I'm just having a ball. The first part of it went very quickly because I had an image in my head and it was able to achieve that image fairly quickly in new ways to me, which was a lot of fun. Um, Now I'm at a point where each step I sort of have to take a step back and wait a little bit and let it come to me and then do it and then do the next step, you know, so it's it's going a little bit more slowly now. Um, But I'm hoping maybe this weekend I can, I don't know if I want to say I'll finish it this weekend, but I think I should get it to the point where it's pretty close to being finished. We'll see. Again, it's it's been a very organic process, so I can't really put it on a schedule. Um, I've been reading a lot of quilt books. I've got some future b- book reviews coming up that will be very interesting, some really cool books that I've enjoyed reading. And I've been catching up a little bit on my craftsy classes. I had sort of a, um, I don't want to call it a wake-up call because I, I was never in any great illusions <laughs> about this particular topic. But um, Jackie of So Excited Quilts was talking on Twitter one afternoon about Lola Jenkins' thread art craftsy class called Thread Art. Um, And I scolded her for tempting me to purchase yet another craftsy class. And then about an hour later, I realized, oops, I already own that one. (laughs) And I went back through and I looked at my list of craftsy classes and I was like, yep, yep, got a lot. Need to start really working on finishing up some of those classes. I I have, I use my classes. It's not like they sit in there and I don't ever go to crafty. I'm in crafty all the time. I'm always looking at the, um, watching videos, kind of going back and reviewing, moving forward. Um, I have not done a ton of class projects out of these. Um, well, probably over the, if I look at my sum total of crafty classes, I've done a few, but I tend to do a lot more just kind of watching and absorbing and understanding what the techniques are for me to put into use in my own projects later on and learning, you know, remembering, oh, okay, there's something I saw in such and such a class. Let me go back and find that and review it, that kind of thing. So I just need to kind of go through a lot of my classes more systematically. I also tend to jump around a little bit uh, so that I can more fully absorb what I've already purchased <laughs> and choose those projects I really do want to do or feel that I need to do to actually learn the technique that they're talking about, that kind of thing. And I will have a few Craftsy class reviews coming up as well. That's something else I'll be reviewing a little bit for you. Um, And I also got to choose my classes for Lancaster. Uh, I am going to be, those of you who might be going to Lancaster, that's the um, AQS quilt show in March that I talked about. And I have signed up for Ami Sims String Star Scrap Quilt class. It's a full day class. I believe it's Wednesday. Um, one, I do want to use up, you know, some of my stash and I scrap quilts are a great way to do this. And it's a nice design and it looked like it would be something fun to do, not overly challenging. And it's it probably, I feels like it's techniques I've done before, but you can always learn something new from a class. Mostly I signed up for it though, because Ami Sims is an absolute hoot and I've seen her in lectures and 
Um, I actually have my picture taken with her from uh, from Houston in 2008 um, when I purchased one of her uh, she was making for her Alzheimer art initiative fundraising for Alzheimer research she made a bunch of name tag um, bags I don't know what do you call them the the kind of things that hang around your neck a pouch with your name tag for your conference in it and it was signed by her and anybody who purchased one of those bags got their picture taken with her so I have that bag and I use it at all my quilt conferences it's great it's big enough to actually hold my wallet and and stuff so I don't necessarily have to carry a purse which is nice um, anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I just, I'm looking forward to having a class with Ami Sims. I don't really care what the class is about, <laughs> so that'll be fun. The second class I signed up for is Frida Anderson's Flooded with Color Dyeing class. It is a hand dyeing class, and I had debated it for a while. I don't like overbooking myself, and so since I'd already knew I was going to do the one full day class, I really wasn't sure I wanted to do the second full day class. And I already have her book, and I know her technique, and I've used her technique, so I was kind of like, do I really need to pay that class fee and book another whole day? But again, there's something to be said. You always learn from the class. There's something to be said for having the teacher right there rather than just reading the book. Plus, at the end of the day, I'll have a whole bunch more hand dyes that I've made, so that'll be fun. And as it turned out, one of my friends that's going with me did sign up for the same class, so it'll be a real hoot to have her in the class with me. Um signed up for a couple of evening events as well and I was really tempted by another class on Saturday morning Sally Schneider's scrap quilt class but I again really did not want to overbook myself and I decided since Ami Sims string star was a scrap quilt that I really didn't need two scrap quilts so um, unless somebody can really talk me into the Sally Schneider class I think that's what I'm going to stick with uh, so if you think you're going to be in Lancaster, let me know and we'll do a meetup and I'll talk about that again when we get closer to the date. So that I'm, I'm really excited about that. And like I said, my guild friend Lori is coming with me and it sounds very much like BFF BQF Kate will also be coming with me. So that'll be a good, good time that will be had by all. All right, quilty resolutions. Like I said, I had intended to read out all of your resolutions and that's not gonna happen. So what I'm gonna do is post a link to the spreadsheet that they're all in on an upcoming um, blog post. It won't be immediately and it won't be until this weekend because like I said, I'm leaving town tomorrow so I'm not gonna have time to do anything until I'm back home again. So I will post that over the weekend um, so that you can check what you said you were going to do and then let me know how you did on it. Um, I can, however, update you on my own um, resolutions. I actually had the list posted next to my cutting table and would periodically check it, but when I, I sat down uh, to do this episode, I realized, ooh, I hadn't looked at it in a while, and I made myself some notes, and I I was probably, let's say I did it, I went about halfway, which is not bad, because that was probably half more than I would have gotten had I not listed all this stuff out. So the four themes that I had for 2013. The first thing was I asked everybody to list, um, I think it was three things, might have only been one thing, but it was something you wanted to accomplish in 2013. And that could be anything. It could have been UFOs, it could have been doing a new quilt, it could have been um, a lot of people actually wanted to accomplish reorganizing their sewing rooms. <laughs> so that was apparently a felt issue in 2012. Um, so it was, you know, very loosely interpreted. I did have um, under, for mine, I just put too many. I broke my own rules and I had a, too long of a list, partly because a lot of them felt like they weren't going to take me that long. Well, those were the ones I didn't ever actually get to. Um, 
I have a list of about eight projects I wanted to finish and then four projects I wanted to do. And two of those four new projects, both I listed two quilts using, two quilts using. So technically that was one, two, three, four, five, six new projects. Well, I don't know what I was thinking because never in any year have I ever had that much time to quilt. And then of course you always want to leave yourself room for the new things. So in that regards, I did finish one, two of my UFOs out of the eight. I made significant progress on two more. And then one, two, three, four are left untouched. So that's not bad. I mean, that's about 50%, you know, that I made progress and or finished on. In terms of the new projects, I did finish one of them. And then I finished one of the ones that was doing two quilts. I wanted to do two quilts using charm packs as donation quilts. And I did do that. Um, I did not finish one of the quilts. And then I wanted to do two quilts using two and a half inch strips as donation quilts. However, I will say I used a lot of my two and a half inch strips on Scrapitude. <laughs> so in my mind, that does sort of count because my main goal was trying to offload some of my two and a half inch strips. Um, so I was again at about 50% on my new projects, which is not too bad. I wanted to complete four crafty classes. I had listed out specifically which four that I wanted to complete. I did complete two of them and I made significant progress on a third. Um, the fourth one may not actually get completed or I'll have to decide what I mean by completed because I've watched a lot of it, but I haven't actually done. It's uh, one of the machine quilting classes. I haven't actually sat down to do any of the, the design she talks about. So I'll have to just think through that one. Um, and then I had, I'm, did I? So that was accomplish. I'm sorry, I didn't finish giving you the categories. A little bit scattered today, apparently. The first category was what you wanted to accomplish. The second one was what you wanted to learn. Um, and that's where I have my craftsy classes listed. Those were four things I wanted to learn. The third category was um, what you wanted to experience through quilt making. And then the fourth category was your guiding word for your quilt making for the year. What I wanted to accomplish through um, quilt making, I didn't word it so much that way for myself. I talked more about skill builders. There were things I wanted to do through the year that were skill builders, one of which was J of Art Quilt, quilt Makers fame creative prompts. I really did not do well at that. I did pretty well in the early months of the year, um, January, February, a little bit into March, and then just completely let it go. And, and I still get the creative prompts and I think about it. I just don't do it. And I know, um, I don't want to say I should, I, there's nothing I should do. I don't want to look at anything as an obligation, but I know I'd get a lot out of doing it. Um, so I, I think that's something I'm going to kind of carry into 2014, but maybe not decide I'm going to do it every week or decide certain ways I'm going to do it that are more reasonable with my schedule, that kind of thing. I'll have to think about that. Um, with the uh, skill builders, I also wanted to take a weaving class, which I have not done but I did end up with a craftsy class on drop spindle, um, spindling. So that's sort of the same thing. And then um, I had some homework and things for ongoing projects with our guild and our design study group that are all skill builders. And I've been, I've done about half of each of those. So all over, I was about halfway there on my quilty resolutions, which is not bad. And what it says to me more is that I just had too many things on my list. I need to be a little bit more reasonable. Um, you know, we all have our lists of UFOs that we want to finish. And, and I did a whole episode early on about UFOs. And 
I often will release myself entirely from a UFO. If I'm not feeling the joy in it anymore, um, I will find some other way to get it out of my life. <laughs> um, sometimes I will uh, just give them to somebody else. You know, I'll take them to Guild and say, hey, anybody interested in this? And sure, somebody, you know, people love finishing other people's UFOs. Um, it's it, it just, and sometimes I'll repurpose them for other things. You know, I'm not always big on saying I have to finish every project I've ever started. Uh, some of them, you learn what you learn, and then you're done, and you're moving on. So in any case, um, I will be announcing the Quilty Resolution and the themes for next year. It is going to be a little bit different this year in my next episode. So I will very much want to hear from all of you, and I've heard from a couple of people already about things you've accomplished, so I'll be interested to hear more. Short book review, because it's kind of a short book. This was um, a couple of weeks ago when my niece uh, had her baby. I went down to visit her and there's a quilt shop only about a block away from the hospital. And it's a wonderful quilt shop. It's one I've been to many times. Um, and when my nephew and I went down to see her and when my nephew and I got to the hospital, she was asleep. So instead of uh, disturbing her, I turned to my nephew and said, guess what? You're going to a quilt shop, which he, you know, was game. <laughs> he was good to go. And so I picked up this book while I was there, and it's called Simply Charming Fun. And it's from Moose on the Porch Quilts, dot, dot, uh, www.moosequilts.com. And it's all uh, designs, patterns to use charm packs and or five inch squares. Um, all the patterns, they're, they're very basic. Um, well, they're fairly basic. I won't say really basic, but they're fairly basic, but they're really cute. I mean, they're they're nicely designed. Um, there's one with fish that would just be the, the most adorable kid's quilt. So that one's kind of on my, hmm, thinking about list. Uh, the patterns, most of them, not all of them, but most of them give cutting charts for a variety of sizes, baby throw, twin, and queen. And the nice thing about those cutting charts is they list immediately how many charm squares you need for each size. Uh, if you've been listening for a while, you might remember a year ago, maybe two years ago. I've been doing this podcast almost four years now, so I don't remember when I did a lot of this stuff. I reviewed several uh, books with five-inch square charm pack patterns that all needed at least two identical charm packs. And I sort of ranted about that a little bit because often when I was traveling, I would only buy one charm pack. You know, it was oh, a nice sample of this. Now I feel like oh, I should always buy two, which is not always what I necessarily want to do. Or, of course, you know, fill in for my own stash, which now I'm in a better position to do that. But in any case, this one, a lot of the baby size only need one charm pack, you know, or like 36 squares or whatever, um, with just a little bit of extra fabric for background or borders. It could something you could easily do from your stash if you've got really any stash at all. It also sometimes gives the number of fat quarters you would need if you're cutting your five inch squares from fat quarters. So if you've got a nice fat quarter collection, this might also be a useful book for you. Um, the the designs, the patterns themselves, some of them look like they would be relatively fast to do. Others might take a little bit longer, but none seem to be particularly complex. So I think a, a fairly beginner quilter could really easily do at least some of the designs in this quilt, if not all of them. Um, they were really all pretty simple, but they weren't simplistic. I've picked up some um, books. I've never bought them because I look at them and say, really, really, you're going to publish a book with these patterns in there? They are so simple. 
It's like, no, really, come on. Um, this one is simple, but not simplistic, and I really like that. Could I figure all these designs out myself? Most certainly. But if I'm looking for a project to, you know, kind of relatively quickly use up some of my scrap stash, I've got a boatload of five-inch squares now between charm packs I've bought over the years and cutting my own stash. Um, but if I'm not in the mood to do my own math, which, as we all know, I'm often just not. <laughs> I don't like doing math. This will be a very handy book. I've I've got it sitting on my cutting table as... Um, over the next few weeks, I will have a little bit of free time here and there, and I might, well, try to put together one of those quilts. I cannot speak to how the patterns are written because I have not yet made a quilt out of it, and as we all know, sometimes patterns can be problematic, but as I read through it, it all seemed to make logical sense. There were there was nothing in there that kind of made me scratch my head and say, well, I'm going to have to see this in action. You know, it all seemed to be pretty straightforward, so I think it'll be fine. Um, so I do recommend this book. Now, um, I will link to it in the show notes to this episode. So, and I'll probably link to it in Amazon. Um, but I would recommend if you have a local quilt shop, do try to support your local quilt shop instead. But again, the, the name of the book is Simply Charming Fun. It is based on five inch squares and or charm packs, but it does also have information in there uh, for quick reference for fat quarters. So it's just a nice little book to have in your collection to help you deal with stash in a fairly straightforward manner. Um, so that's my book review. Let's do some listener feedback, shall we? All right, I want to say thank you to um, Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corner, who uh, hosted the postcard swap, and I did post on my blog uh, the results of that swap and um, the beautiful postcard I got from Beth, as well as the picture of the quilt, uh, the quilt of the postcard I sent to Beth. And Sandy commented on the picture in the Flickr group of my postcard that she really loves Laurel Birch fabrics. So um, yes, I do too. I, I have many of them. I've not used many of them, but I do have them and really enjoy them. So if, if, um, if you are unfamiliar with Laurel Birch, you should check her out. Uh, L-A-U-R-E-L, Birch, B-U-R-C-H. She is unfortunately deceased. She died fairly young of a disease. I'm sorry, I don't remember what the disease was. It was a chronic ailment. Um, but her fabric is still available. It's beautiful stuff. I really enjoy it. Uh, Sarah of Sarah's Gift and Ship um, did send me an update on her resolutions already because she owns a store that ships packages and sells toys and she figured she'd get a little bit busy in the weeks to come. Uh, so she wanted to send me her updates of her resolutions now. So I do appreciate that. Um, and she is, one of her major goals is reconnecting socially with quilters. And it's nice to see that she has indeed done that. She's part of a small group of crafters, not all quilters, but um, crafters that meets most Friday nights. And we all know what fun that is. So I'm glad you're connecting with some folks and do indeed learn Twitter. And Sarah also sent me a beautiful picture of a crazy quilt work in progress that she's working on. And it's gorgeous. And Joyce also sent me a picture of a doll quilt she had um, if you remember, I had mentioned a comment that she had said something about using the disappearing nine patch as a doll quilt, and I was trying to figure out sizing. And so she did send me a picture of that. She said her quilt turned out to be 24 by 30 inch, 31 inches. And she says, yes, that's pretty big for a doll quilt, but I found the older granddaughters liked that size. Some of their dolls and stuffed animals are pretty big too. Um, she said she used four inch 
squares for hers, for her disappearing nine patch. Um, I want to say thank you. Oh, I've got to leave her email for last. I'm sorry. I want to say thank you to Tammy, who was thanking me for answering her question on command strips on my podcast. And and this just reminds me of my husband um, used to be a big comic book fan back throughout his childhood and even up until the early years of our marriage. He collected and read a lot of comic books and finally gave up in frustration because they started running storylines through a bunch of different series of comic books, not just issues, but series. So like suddenly you had to buy all of, you know, Batman Dark Knight and all of Batman, I'm sorry, is it Batman Dark Knight? Yes, Batman Dark Knight plus Batman, I don't know, Batman Returns plus Batman whatever. You know, there were like eight different series of Batman comics. And in order to read a single um, storyline, you had to like read all of those different series. Well, the command strips thing is sort of along those lines because it's a conversation that's been happening between Francis of Off Quilter Quilt and me in our podcast. So you have to kind of listen to both of our podcasts to pick up on the whole story. Um, a couple of notes about command strips now that y'all are using them. Uh, yes, Francis, the refrigerator clips that you had, that's the newer version of the ones I had used for years and the one that I said I didn't like quite as well just because they're a little bit shinier. Um, however, the, the ones I've used for years are now available again on Amazon. So you do basically have the same thing. The difference is the ones I use are a matte finish and the ones that are called refrigerator clips are clear and a little bit on the glossy side. Um, there's also a difference in the strips and this is the one caution or caveat I guess I want to give. I'm not quite as used to using the strips that come with the refrigerator clips. They're more of a clear strip um, and it, it may be a different kind of adhesive altogether. Uh, for whatever reason, they're made to work on refrigerators, I guess, uh, some metal surfaces. So I cannot speak to how they would work on um, paint. I believe I've used a couple of them, but I, I can't speak to the long-term use or how well it pulls off, you know, without pulling off paint, that kind of thing, because I just don't have as much experience with it. I have so many of the other strips that even when I have the refrigerator style, the ones that are called refrigerator clips, I tend to use the other strips anyway. Um, the other strips are the white ones. The other thing I want to make sure everybody knows when you're using command strips, and again, I have hundreds of these things all over my house that I use for everything. I'm just sitting here looking around my sewing room. All of my rulers are hung on my wall with hooks using command strips. All of my prints, my framed pictures, my bulletin boards, my thread rack, everything I have hung up with um, command strips. I guess you could say I'm afraid of commitment. <laughs> I think that's what it comes down to. Everything can be taken down and taken down and moved at a moment's notice. Um, and those mostly, for the most part, have been up for about eight or nine years. And I've only had one ruler has fallen off the wall twice. And I think it's where it is. I think it tends to get knocked a lot. Um, nothing else has ever fallen off the wall. So I can speak to the fact that these things are wonderful. However, what I do want to tell you, I have had paint come off twice in nine years with hundreds of these things. So you can tell that's, you know, percentage wise, it's like less than 1% of the time. And when it happened, one time it happened because um, I had something too heavy for the strip that was on there and it just pulled the whole thing off the wall. So make sure you're using, there's different lengths of strips and on the packages, it'll tell you what kind of poundage it'll carry. So make sure you're using the right strips for the job. The other time I had paint come off was when I took it off too quickly and the wrong way. 
you have to take it off slowly and you have to pull that tab straight down the wall. Do not pull it off at an angle. Um, and like I said, take it off slowly. What I usually do is I hold the clip or, or the hook or whatever it is, you know, the, the hard part that's attached with this um, strip. I hold that to the wall with one hand and then I very gently and slowly pull that tab down with my other hand. And you can actually see it releasing um, as it goes. And so you'll know it's releasing. If you pull it straight down but pull too fast, it just breaks the strip. If you pull it at an angle, that's when you risk pulling the paint off the wall. As long as you pull it fairly slowly, and I'm not saying like snail's pace, I'm just saying at a reasonable speed, and if you pull it directly straight down, you will not have a problem. Um, so that's the last word I'm going to give, I think, on command strips. Catherine responded to my episode 135 in which we rip it. She says, I enjoyed this episode. Your comment about dying in the basement and how your husband did not enjoy hearing you say that is a familiar occurrence in my house. I've been doing dying of my own in the garage. My husband cringed every time I said, I'm going to go die in the garage. So now I say, I'm going to go put some color on cloth and all is good. So Catherine, I think I will borrow that phrase. Thank you so much for that. Thank you to June for commenting on um, episode 136 in which we make fa fabric postcards in which I talked about razors, razor blades a little bit. And she talks about razor blades and how she uses them, which is in the kitchen. She uses them for um, scraping food off of her glass cooktop and removing stickers from flat surfaces. And she also uses them for cleaning embedded threads from her large cutting mat. So um, those are some more ideas for razor blades. I still, I'm not going near them. <laughs> um, Glenna also responded to the same uh, episode and also about razor blades. She says, guess I'll be giving my age away, but when you started telling about the razor blades in the old machine cabinets, a lot of memories of sewing with my grandmother back in the 50s came flooding back. We used razors, and no, they did not have the protected tops. She took tape. She, um, Glenna thinks it was electrician's tape and covered one side of the razor blade. I would hold one seam and she the other while she snipped down the seam, cutting the thread as she went. Of course, all that thread had to be picked out. Guess who got to do that? And Glenna, God bless you, and glad your grandmother did not lop off one of your fingers while she was doing it. I'm just, eh, I know myself, no, me and razor blades would not mix well, so I'm, I'm sticking with my, you know, scary Havel scalpel. Um, <laughs> Tammy, oh, thank you again to Tammy for another comment. Um, Daisy, very lazy Daisy, whose quilt top I won in a Black Friday sew-in giveaway, I posted a blog post because I've now received the quilt top, and I put a picture of that one next to a quilt I had made my son a few years ago, and sure enough, it is indeed the same design, and it's fun seeing the two side-by-side side in different colors, which um, is the same thing Very Lazy Daisy said on her comment to the blog. So if you want to go check out what does one design look like in different colors, just go to that blog post. Marge uh, commented on my blog post with the postcard swap reveal, in which I put pictures of both my postcard and Beth's postcard that I received, and she says it's a lovely idea and manageable if done with only one or two good quilty friends, which is true. God bless um, Sandy of Quilt Command and Corner for organizing this whole thing. Thanks so much for that, Sandy. We had a lot of fun. And people are still just starting to post pictures of the ones they're receiving. So um, there is a Flickr group. Go to Sandy's blog to find the link for the Flickr group. Um, it, there's really cute postcards. I'm very impressed. It's been fun. 
I have a few more subscribers to the blog by email. Thank you to all of you. Unfortunately, it, it takes me too long to get in to actually see the names, so I'm just not going to read names anymore, but just know you are all appreciated. Um, Lolly Wiggle emailed me about um, where I talked about trying to learn better how to say no to volunteer things that I, I tend to be all in when it comes to volunteer work. And so she emailed me and she said, let me share one way I've learned to say no to most volunteer projects. My memorized line is, I don't make any decision for 24 hours, call me tomorrow. And surprisingly, most people do not call you tomorrow. And you have had time to think about the implications of that particular commitment, talk to your husband, talk about time and other commitments. I have come to the standard after many years of saying yes, I'm sorry, I've come to the standard answer after many years of saying yes on the spot to way too many things. And then she goes in on to talk about all of the things she is involved in, both professionally in her work life, in her home life, um, as a pastor's wife, which comes, that's a job of its own. Um, and she says, uh, so you can see I've learned from experience. I've found I need a ready answer that I don't have to think about. And she says, do not feel guilty. I also have learned that when I say no to a project, it gives someone else the opportunity to learn and do a great job. It will be done differently than what I would have done, but what a blessing, giving someone else the opportunity to grow and learn. And she ends with, so Sandy, say it with me. I don't make any decision for 24 hours. Call me tomorrow. I don't make any decision for 24 hours. Call me tomorrow. I don't make any decision for 24 hours. Call me tomorrow. So thank you. And I want everybody to repeat that with me. I don't make any decision for 24 hours. Call me tomorrow. Thank you so much for that, Lolly. And now let me read the email I got from Myrna, because this just cracked me up. Let me see if I can make it uh, do it justice here. Its subject is hand dyeing. It all starts out with just a little bit of fabric. Not much space is needed at all. Then there is the need to try different methods. More space is needed, but not much more. Then comes spinning. Then a spinning wheel. Oops, need a different wheel that costs much more money than anyone could imagine. Then all that soft, wonderful roving. Wonder how it would take to the dye. Next is a rigid heddle loom to weave all of that beautiful hand-dyed roving. Need a bigger loom, going to the upright Navajo loom. Need another loom, this time a floor loom, which moves the dining room table. Now all free time is spent at tag sales, swap meets, thrift stores to find that wonderful bit of textile to weave into the fabric. It looks so good. Cut into it? Never. Maybe a shawl or a vest. Hand-woven fabric stacks up. Now going to natural dyes. Don't want to breathe in all those harsh chemicals. Now the family thinks that wonderful smelling pot simmering on the back burner is soup. Wrong. Just a new veggie dye. Wait. This is me, not Sandy. But it just might be... Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I just... Oh my gosh. I just love that, Myrna. Thank you so much. Myrna and I then had a very funny exchange of emails following um, that email itself. And unfortunately... Uh, she did give me some tips about if I do end up looking for spinning wheels. She gave me some ideas of things I might want to look for. Um, unfortunately, she did say she lost her spinning wheels and everything she owned when her house burned in the Southern California fires in 2007. Um, and Myrna, that just broke my heart. I'm so sorry that you had that experience. Um, that's just something nobody should have to experience. So I really, I, you know, my prayers go out to you. 
Uh, she says she's never replaced her wheels. She keeps thinking she will maybe one day. And I, I hope you do um, if you have space and you're only allowed one. <laughs> I will tell you that right now. Only one, Myrna. Only one. <laughs> so thank you for that. I really enjoyed that as well. That is it for this episode. Like I said, um, I am going to work very hard to get your 2013 Quilty Resolution spreadsheet up on my blog sometime this weekend. Um, meanwhile, I hope everybody who is being affected by these really frigid temperatures and the snow and the ice that's falling, I know all along the East Coast, but I know there's also parts of the Midwest that are getting hit as well. Um, stay safe, stay warm, stay dry. Um, I don't think I should have any trouble when I drive down to uh, Philadelphia tomorrow. There's a, a one storm front I'm kind of keeping an eye on, but I think it'll stay a little bit north of the throughway that I spend most of my first half of my trip on. So that should be okay. And then Thursday when I'm coming back, I don't think I should hit, hit too much weather until I actually get close to home, which should be okay as well. So I'm not really perceiving any difficulties, but, um, you know, I'll be tweeting whenever I stop at rest stops. And that kind of thing. So send me messages, send me comments, talk to me to keep me occupied on my way. Um, and then I'll have another episode next week. Isn't this fun? Just as soon as I said I wasn't going to podcast that often anymore, I've gotten really, really good at being regular again. <laughs> Sometimes I've just got to put it out there and say it to make myself say, what was I thinking? I can actually do this. So anyway, you know how you can be in touch with me. And if you don't, I'll tell you. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Flickr, all of those places. I'm sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z, all one word. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook, and you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. I really hope you will, because I love seeing your pictures. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you will find links for all of those things at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until the next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.